So I think for me, one of the big things is giving, giving back to kids and being the person that I needed. Um, and I think that's a huge driving factor for me every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Coach's Journey Show. I am Matt Mullins, and on today's episode, we have Nathaniel Littauer. Nathaniel is a strength and conditioning coach in North Carolina and is also a volunteer wrestling coach as well. I am so excited to share this episode with you. It is jam-packed with a lot of great information for you to apply to your coaching practice every single day. A few of the topics that we get into, we dive into building relationships with kids and how that can lead to more positive performance. Also, we talk about the advantage of understanding the body language of our players and how this can help us to dive deeper in building our relationships. Once again, this is a great episode and I can't wait for you to hear it. So please enjoy this edition of The Coach's Journey. Nathaniel, appreciate you joining the show. Um, how's, your, how's your day going today so far? Uh, going well, you know, I got um, got the – sorry, I'm totally, like, blanking. Wow. Um, yeah, it's – Sundays are my one day off during the week. Um, so, been able to relax a little bit, go to church, come home, um, and get stuff set up to, to talk to you today. So, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. I, I'm excited to have you on here. And uh, you and I, we've talked uh, – we talked on the phone one time before. Uh, sent, you sent me a short little bio of yourself and – uh, you're, you're a strength and conditioning coach up there in North Carolina. So I want to give you a chance to uh, let the listeners know what it is that you do, what are, what are the places that you're involved in, uh, and you can just kind of – you can expand from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm a strength and conditioning coach for kids probably about age 8 to about 18. Um, I work and run a private training facility. Um, I don't own it, but I run it. Uh, and all the general athletic development programs there. Um, on the side, I kind of work as a assistant strength and conditioning coach, or at least a assistant wrestling coach and strength and conditioning coach for a local high school. I'm um, just volunteering my time there. I graduated from that high school. And so um, when I graduated from college, they brought me on as an assistant wrestling coach, um, just being able to volunteer my time a little bit, working with those kids. And on the side of that, working on a master's in physical education right now. So I keep myself a little busy, um, but that's my primary deal is strength and conditioning. That's awesome. And there's no problem with keeping yourself busy. You know, it, no. <laughs> impacting a lot of lives, doing, doing things that way. So, uh, so you said you're, you are, just repeat one more time, you're a volunteer for, for the high school that you coach for? I am. I am a volunteer um, working for the high school because I don't work for the high school directly. Um, they they'll do some things for me like they paid for me to get my bus driver's license um but they don't have enough funding to pay for me to be on staff because i don't already work at the high school okay so explain to me because i mean you do so many other things uh along with being a volunteer coach i mean describe describe what the lifestyle is like for you to balance all of these things um yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty structured. Um, I think people kind of joke because I'm very Type A. So if my morning starts the exact same every single morning, um, I'm up at 5 a.m. I have my wrestlers at 6 a.m. for off-season workouts. Um, it's pretty incredible to see they got about a dozen or so kids that'll show up at 6 a.m. in the off-season and train with me at 6 a.m. when they honestly probably could find better use their time to sleep or study or something like that. So um, I'm up pretty early, so I have that structure. I'll have those guys from 6 to about 7.30. Uh, generally, I'll come back home and eat a, eat a breakfast and tackle grad school work for about an hour and a half to two hours. Um, from there, I'll go into our private facility. Because we train kids, I have most of my work duties and all my coaching in the afternoon happens after about 3.30, 4 o'clock. And so everything I do kind of sets up for that four o'clock timeframe. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a weird gap where I have kids in the morning and then kids in the evening. And then in between is when I do a lot of my grad school work, 
um, training for myself. And then if I have some personal training clients and adults that I train, that'll be in there as well. That's awesome. You know, I, you know, you and I come from a, a similar background. Um, I was a volunteer coach as well whenever I started off uh, as a coach and, and now I do it full time. And I think that's, I think it's great to hear that there's guys like you out there that are, that are volunteering their time. You're not getting, you're not getting paid for, for what it is that you do. So, I mean, there's obviously, there's obviously something within you. There's a calling within you that, you know, it pulls you to coach these kids. So one big thing that I love to ask coaches on this show is what is your why for coaching? Yeah. Um, you know, I, and I've talked about this, um, some of the stuff that I've put out on social media and, um, I mean, I've played eight sports at this point in my life. Um, I'm still an athlete on the side recreationally. And one of the big things for me is I've had a wide variety of coaches. Um, I've had the coaches that scream and the coaches that yell. Um, I've had the coaches that are dead silent, the coaches that don't care a whole lot. Um, I've had the volunteer dad coach. Um, and especially in high school. Um, and I'm, I'm an assistant wrestling coach of the high school I graduated from. And a lot of that for me, that why is because in my experience through that program, there was a lot of things that I did wrong. Um, there's a lot of things that, um, a lot of the information that's out there, um, especially in the performance realm, um, that kind of became my passion through, through the sport of wrestling and through some of those other things that I experienced as a kid. And, um, a lot of what I do, I wish I had someone, um, to kind of give me some guidance on that. Uh, my wrestling coach in high school would have admitted that he didn't know a whole lot about anything other than your wrestling. He'd done some, you know, bodybuilding and stuff like that, but, especially now my whole goal is to be the kid that I needed in high school, um, or at least to be the coach that I needed as a kid. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the big things that drives me on a daily basis is all the things that I did in high school have led up to who I am now. Um, and there's, there's good things in there and there's some negative things in there. Um, like I said, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. A lot of the things I look at is the performance side um, I don't see how talented kids are necessarily on the field all the time. But one of the big things that, you know, has impacted my life is I didn't have somebody in a strength and conditioning role in my life. Um, I, I through weight cutting and things like that that happened during wrestling. I mean, I put everything I had into that one sport. Um, I messed up my metabolism pretty good. Um, you know, I, had some, some damage there. Uh, I had some serious, not serious injuries, but I had some nagging and chronic injuries, um, a knee and a shoulder that were, you know, not exactly taken care of. And, you know, the, the old guidance that I'd gotten in high school and a lot of it just came from not having the right people around me was, um, just kind of put your head down and trudge through it and not having a guide, to kind of take me through and, and help me get to a better place. Um, so I think for me, one of the big things is giving, giving back to kids and being the person that I needed. Um, and I think that's a huge driving factor for me every day. Hmm. I, I like that answer. Um, be, being, being the coach that, that kids need, and, you know, talking about your story, I think it's really, really interesting. Um, so what does that look like to you? What, what is the type of coach that you want kids to have from you? What does that look like in your eyes? You know, I think that's, yeah, I think on that one, cause that's, um, every kid is different. Every kid you connect with is going to be different. And so I don't know. I think the big thing for me as a coach is connecting with a kid in a way that makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. um, I think so many times we get into bubbles as coaches um, that we've got to either be Mr. or Mrs. Intensity. We've got to be the coach that um, gives motivational speeches 
or they've got to be, um, I don't know, just the, the silent assassin as I kind of jokingly would, you know, refer to some of the coaches that I had, they were just very, very quiet and didn't say anything unless it needed to be said. Uh Um, but not every kid relates to that. Um, not every kid relates to the yelling coach. Not every kid relates to the quiet coach. And I think something, especially with kids is that every, as a coach, I have to be adaptable in order to fulfill that why. Um, and I think that's something I like to give the example of, uh, one of my wrestlers and he's got, um, without, because I can't disclose HIPAA and all the fun things that come along with healthcare. He's got some, he's got some health issues, um, that he has dealt with. Um, and that's made a lot of things difficult for him and every coach before him, um, has stuck with their traditional style of coaching, um, especially from a performance perspective. They've always made him do the exact same thing that others have done. And, I, I still remember very vividly the day where I fixed some things for him um, from a performance perspective that allowed him to do something that he'd never been able to do before. Um, and just to see the look on his face, because he was a kid that needed connection in a way of getting him out of a painful situation physically. Um, and for him to be able to sit there and to connect with him by changing my style of coaching to what he does Um, I think that's how I try to approach being that person, because if I can't be adaptable to somebody's personality, not everybody's going to be, uh, you know, the, the cheerleader, um, not every kid wants to sit there and have somebody like, Oh, like you're the best. You can do this. Some kids want somebody to tell them the truth and be like, Hey, like that just, that wasn't good enough. And I know you've got more effort in you. Some kids want that brutal honesty. Um, Some kids need a little bit more of the encouragement. Um, So I think how I approach the why behind it and how I try to be the person that I needed in high school, I think a lot of that has to do with being, I think a lot of it has to do with being the coach that they need in high school or middle school or elementary school. Um, so that looks different for every single athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. how I try to approach it. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned being, being adaptable. So I'm curious, I think that's a great quality to have as a coach. And I think it's more, I think that's more prevalent today just cause with social media, with all these different things out there that kids can go to and, you know, everybody, everybody's different. And it's been like that, you know, since the beginning of time, but right. I'm really curious, you know, sometimes we don't focus on that as coaches to be adaptable to a, a, a certain kid's situation. So I'm really curious as to, you know, are there any examples of how you've practiced to grow and being adaptable or, or, or things that you've done um, that, that have helped you be that adaptable coach? Um, I think part of it, um, there's a, there's a book that we have in strength conditioning. Maybe you've heard of it, conscious coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a book by Brett Bartholomew. Um, and he's done a tremendous amount of work on helping coaches become adaptable mm-hmm. and adapting to kind of the different, the different athletes you may see. Um, and regardless of what sport it is, regardless of what context you're in, um, being able to connect with athletes. And a lot of it comes down to just being relational, um, knowing, uh, knowing what's going on in a kid's life, knowing what's going on, um, on the daily basis. What is their home life like? Um, what are their parents like? There's different things like you'll see different kids on, I see it on a daily basis, um, different parenting styles will affect different kids in uh, like different ways. Um, yeah, I grew up in a family that was very much, uh, had a high sense of discipline and, um, both of my parents are go-getters. Um, even right now they're out working on a Sunday afternoon right now. Um, I know it and that's, um, 
that's been passed down to me. Uh, it's got passed down to um, my siblings. And so I think being adaptable, um, being able to adapt to the individual kid, you have to build that relationship first. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's kind of a, a process and some of it's asking questions. Um, when I m- meet athletes for the first time, um, I, it's always start to build on questions, kind of like you do in a podcast where you find things like, all right, let's build off of this question mm-hmm. and let's, um, we want to be able to, or at least the way that I try to do it is build off of certain questions and try to find relatable points. Um, I had an athlete yesterday, met him for the first time and it's always the very simple question. So like, you know, because I work in strength conditioning, it's all right, well, what sport do you play? Um, trying to find the commonalities there. And if there's not there, okay, well, what's your favorite subject in school? Um, you know, and sometimes that opens up the conversation. Well, Oh, like I always struggle with that subject or I always, um, I really love that subject too. Why do you like that subject? And being able to kind of dive in and right off the bat, trying to form some kind of bond, um, because that'll start to build a relationship. And from that relationship, you can kind of adapt your coaching style. Um, if you just start yelling at a kid right off the bat, or if you just don't say anything to a kid right off the bat, um, and you just use a uniform coaching style. That's one of those things that I see that it may not connect with a kid. Mm -hmm. And so knowing them drives the adaptation of your style, um, in a way that's going to connect with them the most. That's awesome. It reminds, it reminds me a little bit. I had, uh, uh, Elaine, her name was Kimberly Dudley, and she's the assistant athletics director at uh, West Texas A&M, and she does a lot of leadership development. And what you're talking about right now with adaptability and everything, it, it relates back to what her and I talked about on on uh, that episode, meeting the kids where they're at, you know, it, and, and you spending the time to build that relationship beforehand, I think, you know, I think it makes it I want to say easier because you're going to have your challenges, but I mean, it makes it, it makes it easier to know how to push that kid, what they need and, and then be able to help them grow as an individual. Um, so is, is that some, I mean, do you do that every single time in your pro in your program, you sit down with the kid, like even before you start, uh, start the program? Um, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's where it gets tricky. Um, so, and this is, I always try to keep this in perspective for people that see me on social media because they probably think um, that I, you know, have tons of groups all the time that I'm training, um, but I kind of oversee a program. And so I actually have two coaches that coach a majority of the kids mm-hmm. um, and I have, but it allows me to build relationships with individual kids, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Um, you know, those kids come in and they, um, you know, a lot of them will, I have kids that will come off the bus. They, we have a bus that drops kids off at our facility from school. Um, and so they'll show up 20 to 30 minutes before like our first session starts. And so being able to sit down, um, I actually really love the way one of my coaches does this is he actually just picks up a football and he just starts throwing Hmm. And they just have conversations that way. Hmm. And something I learned um, in my time as a camp counselor back in college, and this was something that um, was really rooted in kind of building relationships is that people um, tend to actually do a lot of really, like they'll open up to you a bit more when you're shoulder to shoulder. Especially, and it, this is kind of the difference I've found with male and female athletes, um, is that especially young guys, um, and we're talking, I mean, anywhere from elementary school all the way up through college, they relate a little bit more and they'll open up to you a little bit more if you're shoulder to shoulder. Um, I remember, you know, having uh, having conversations with 
the director of the camp when I worked there and he would always take guys and he would always take somebody out on a walk and he'd just go walk. And it seems like a very simple thing. Um, but it's always a shoulder to shoulder interaction. Um, and so I kind of try to emulate that with some of the kids that I have is just sitting next to them. If they're just sitting off to the side, watching people throw a football around, and it's just kind of sit next to them and watch with them. Um, but it turns into, Hey, how was your day at school? Well, my, my day was good. Well, what does good mean? And kind of dig deeper, um, and try to build some of those things. And I think a lot of that's found in downtimes. Um, it's found in water breaks. It's found in the times before and after practices and sessions. And I'm not saying it works for every athlete. Um, like I said, I've noticed some difference, like some of my female athletes would rather look me in the face and tell me that they're having a terrible day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think having that approach to building relationships is just tiny little things. It's tiny segments of, you know, asking how a day goes. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, that question of, okay, well, what did you learn in school today? It's like, Oh, well, I didn't learn anything. You didn't learn anything. Well, did, did you went to school? Yeah. Okay. So what is it that you like, what did you do in math class? Well, I learned about this and trying to, kind of figure out, especially those kind of like little tiny questions where they can respond with anything. Um, you can kind of follow rabbit trails and really dig deeper into their personality. The kid that sits there and kind of is very blunt and abrupt. Um, sometimes you have to dig a little deep, you know, to find, especially I like to, to kind of dig in, okay, why are they, blunt and abrupt. Maybe it's their personality. It's like, they just want somebody to shoot it to them straight and just like, Hey, I just short brief. There's no elaboration. Some kids, you really got to dive deep and you find, um, that they need more encouragement. Um, so yeah, I think it's some of those side to side interactions. Some of those little tiny things is where those relationships can be built. Hmm. That's, that's very interesting. And you know, you're talking about noticing if a kid is is abrupt uh, and, and that if they need some encouragement. Uh, I mean, I'm curious. I'm, it seems like you have, you know, a little bit of insight as to how to read the body language of a kid. So, I mean, did you pr- did you practice that? Or, I mean, are there certain things that you can shed some light on for us to be looking for in order to build those relationships? I mean, you're bringing some interesting stuff to the table right here. It's- yeah, no. Um you know, and I think this is, I think a lot of it's time, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, like there, there are times when you, you ask the wrong questions and you'll get a kid to comp- that sh- completely shuts down. Mm-hmm. Um, you touch on subjects they don't want to talk about. They don't want to go to some of those places in those conversations. Um, I think, and, and it's funny you mentioned body language because I think sometimes the body language comes second. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some things that I look at as a as a strength coach. I know other coaches look like, you know, in the performance realm, we're always trying to manage stress because our job is to keep kids on the field and keep them going. Um, so I think part of it's learning the – part of it's learning how they are um, and through those little tiny snippets in terms of body language and the things that I look at. Um, I often look at how's their posture, um, especially with, you know, I've got a hundred volleyball players that I work with on a weekly basis. Um, I'll be honest that I don't know all of their names. I it's, I mean, I have them for two hours a week, two and a half hours a week. And with a hundred volleyball players, that's a lot of names to remember. Um, I try really hard. I'll admit that I fail at that every day. So when I, and because I don't have as much time, I don't have as much to build some of those interactions. The body language things that I look for oftentimes, um, posture is huge. You'll see um, when kids are stressed out, their shoulders will be elevated, their shoulders drag forward. Um, you can see the bags under their eyes. They walk slower. Um, 
they even, it's kind of interesting. You'll see like the, the way they walk will actually change. Um, I often look at, you know, and kids don't, kids don't even realize it that I'm doing it, but I'll look at how they're walking and say, okay, well, you're dragging your feet. You're telling me that you're fine, but I can see in your face, I can see in your shoulders that something's not fine. Um, I had this happen last, two weeks ago. It was in the past two weeks. Um, I show up and, you know, to, to one of the volleyball practices, you know, getting ready to train the girls. And I asked one of the girls, you know, my standard question of, you know, how's everything today? Oh, it's good. Okay. Well, what does good mean? What good is good? And I could tell right there in that instance, her shoulders were slumped forward. Her, um, and there's some weird physiology things that happen where if someone's more stressed out, you'll actually see their left shoulder rise up a little bit more because they're taking deep, stressful breaths. And when they take those deep, stressful breaths, their shoulders rise more. And because the heart sits to the left side, and this is kind of the way that I learned it and was explained to me is the body's not totally symmetrical. And so the heart sits a little bit more to the left side. And so when the left lung tries to expand as much as the right lung to get more oxygen, your left shoulder actually rise a little bit more. Um, so I noticed that in this individual, um, shoulders are slumped forward and walking a little bit slower, like normally, you know, had a, a little bit more power to their walk. And so I was like, okay, well, I was like, are you sure everything's okay? And like, you know what? Like, no, everything's not okay. I was like, okay, what happened? You know, and you go to find out, well, they've got a, a scholarship to, you know, go play at this school. And all of a sudden now, you know, the, the head coach moved away or, um, you know, is, you know, had, had to withdraw some scholarships before papers were signed or something like that. And it's like, well, that, that brings a lot of stress, you know, and especially then in that moment, you know, being able to adapt a coaching style to you're super stressed out. If I sit here and get all, you know, you, you may not need, and this is, this is kind of, it, it comes down to discernment and knowing the, the athlete again, um, you may not need the cheerleader. You may not need the, like in your face, you may just need some time by yourself. Um, and I've even, I've, I experienced that with some kids. Um, you can kind of tell when they've had a bad day and I'm sure you've seen this with the guys that you coach. Um, you see it on kids faces. And I think that's the one thing where sometimes the conversation leads into looking at the body language, like it did with that volleyball player. Um, sometimes the body language leads the conversation. Um, cause I've definitely come up to kids and seen those kind of those signs, the shoulders slump forward, the, the, they're dragging just physically and being, you know, and, and asking them, it's like, okay, so it's like, or it's like something's, something's off today. You know, what is it that's off? And sometimes like, oh, everything's fine. And I was like, but is it? And I think that's where I think so many people get caught up and just relying on one source, whether it's the conversation or the feedback, um, like the, the physiological feedback and the body language, but trying to blend the two of them, I think is really crucial. Mm -hmm. Um, and being able to create those connections and being able to coach those kids individually. Yeah, man, that's, that is really interesting. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I mean, it's almost like you, you say, well, how is everything? They'll say it's good, but if you can tell in their body language, it's not. I mean, it's good for us as coaches, and I hope that I hope that those that are listening can kind of – that they can apply this because you you got to give that extra push right there. And it, it sounds like that you do that whenever you read that body language. Yeah. I give that extra push, you know, when they say, oh, everything's good. But you can tell something's not – something's not the way – it should be, you know, something bad may have happened. So I think that's really interesting. And I appreciate you uh, giving us a little bit of, a little bit of something that we can apply to, to, to coaching and, and be able to connect with our kids a little bit more. Um, I, I'm also, you, we talked on the phone, you mentioned um, the head coach, the head wrestling coach that you yeah. volunteer for. Uh, I was really, and we talked about you, you've learned a lot of things from him. Uh, could you go ahead and could you give him his, give us his name and then cite some examples of the things that you have learned from him? 
Yeah. So, um, his name is Michael Connolly. Um, and he took over my head wrestling coach in high school, became the athletic director. Um, and a couple of years after that, they brought, uh, coach Connolly on to take over the wrestling program. Um, and kind of in those three or four years that, um, that were between coach Connolly coming on and, uh, Jeff Smith, the now athletic director, um, the program kind of took a downslide and, you know, there is just, I don't, I wasn't around. Um, I was in college, so I don't know all what happened. Um, but you know, the, the program went from a winning program, uh, to a losing one pretty quickly. Um, the numbers in the program plummeted mm-hmm. and now coach Connolly's come on. And in the past, two years that he's been the head coach uh just watching him grow the program from a group of 20 kids um to where his final roster at the end of the season um after losing close to 20 kids over the course of the season to grades or kids that just started and just kind of quit um from ending roster 49 kids Um, so over doubling the program in two years of looking at, and what are some of the things that he's done? Um, a lot of it comes into and has played a huge impact into some of the stuff I do with the kids in my own private training facility. He actually does something that he picked up from another coach. Um, I don't know what coaches is, but he actually does what he calls home visits. And Hmm. so he has his fall meeting and he gets everybody that was at that meeting. He and his wife go to their house on their own time. Um, and sometimes, you know, he had 65 kids at his fall meeting. So he went to 65 kids houses. Um, and he goes in and just to experience he, his perspective is you have to get into the kids home life, right? You have to be able to understand what their family background is. What is the daily environment that they live in? Um, and he and his wife go in there um, and have conversations with the parents. You know, they, they build that relationship. And it's, it's really interesting because, and I've heard him talk about it, he always has the conversation like with the parents and with the, you know, with the athlete that they're there. And, um, at some point he asked the athlete to leave and he asked the parents like, okay, what is one thing about your son or daughter that I need to know? Mm-hmm. Like, what is one thing that they're not going to tell me that you can tell me right now that's going to help them be better and help me coach them? Um, which is really powerful. And I think you see, you see it work a lot. Um, kids respond to that. Um, you know, I think it's, it's even crazy. Cause like I watched it happen on Friday morning. I mean, we talked on the phone earlier this week, this happened literally the day after I think we spoke is I watched a kid come and just lay all of his problems out in front of the head coach. Wow. And yeah. You know, and it, it, it's one of those things where we as adults don't see them as big problems. Um, you know, but he, this kid, just opened up to him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he would have opened up to him if that kid didn't know, uh, or if the coach didn't know that his home life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why is he telling this to the coach instead of talking to his mom or his dad? Um, and I don't, I don't even know the home life of this young athlete to be able to understand why that kid would come up. And I just witnessed this, um, where the, he just brought his problems. And I think, and I talked to the coach afterwards. I talked to coach Connolly and I said, Hey man, like what, like, it's like, where does, where does that trust come from? And he's like, you know, I've told you, he told me about the home visits, you know, the year before. And he said, it comes, it comes from those times. It comes from getting to know their environment and where they come from. Because if you know where they're coming from, you'll start to understand what is a big deal to that kid. You'll start to understand what is like what makes them feel special um 
And sometimes it comes through those little tidbits that parents give of what is one thing I need to know about your son or daughter. Um, sometimes it's just seeing how they interact with their parents um, in the house and seeing how what the relationship between the child and the parent is. So that, I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest things because I've transferred that into my daily coaching practice where I will sit and even if I've got a busy schedule um, or like I have a lot of administrative stuff to do, I will take the hour and a half to sit there and talk to somebody's parent. Um, I will, you know, I had a parent recently who, um, you know, brought to me some pretty heavy stuff, um, when in his work life, but he wouldn't have brought that to me if I didn't have, you know, four hours of conversations backed up into that. Um, and with his wife, even like, you know, when they've brought their, their son into the training facility and if he's training with one of my coaches, um, or one of the other groups, I can, you know, have some of those opportunities, even in just in passing, if I've got emails to write, well, emails will be there when I'm done with that conversation. Mm -hmm. If my, if my phone's blowing up with text messages, um, you know, that conversation, that conversation is not replaceable. Um, and I think that's been one of the big things that I've learned from the wrestling coaches, getting to talk to parents, seeing how, um, getting to know their personalities, um, even asking them, you know, sometimes, especially if you can get a parent where it's not a super crowded environment, um, being able to talk to a parent about, you know, what is something, you know, we as a coaching staff need to know about your athlete. Um, being able to apply that and learning that from the wrestling coach that I've been able to work under that has been one of the bigger, I mean, it's a game changer because you can understand what makes kids tick or maybe even understand why kids do certain things they do. Um, and there's a, there's a couple of different psychological like child development theories that I've been trying to like process a little bit as to why that happens. Um, but I mean, the parents talking to parents is one of the huge things too and being able to connect with those athletes. Right. And, you know, I, I, I think sometimes uh, we tend to, we tend to shy away from that because sometimes there's just that divide of like, well, they, they don't, parents aren't going to understand what it is that we do. Uh, they, they don't, they're not, they're not in the, they're not in there with us every single day of practice. No, they're not. But it's, it's almost getting, getting people, getting a coach and parents on the same page, you know, it takes uh, in order for a program to be successful, you got to have everybody on the same page. You got to have everybody supporting you. Um, I think that's very interesting. And I think it's a great tactic. It, it takes time, you know, it, but I think it just shows like how much you care about the kids and the success of the program. And I think it's so important that you take that time and you doing that and, with strength and conditioning, I think it obviously should. I mean, have you seen within your program uh, coaching those kids when you spend that time, maybe at first they're not performing to the capability that you can see in them, but since you did spend that time, have you seen uh, a change in, in those kids when you do that in your strength and conditioning program? I would say so. Um, yeah, and sometimes, and I think especially there's – understanding sometimes it's getting more out of a kid. Um, sometimes it's understanding why a certain kid behaves a certain way. Um, yeah, I think building, you know, building some of those relationships, like there's one kid, um, that I have. And if I didn't know his parents, um, the kid probably would have never told me about being bullied at school. Huh. Um, you know, I just hadn't had that time with him yet. And, but his, his mom let me in on that insight. And so I was like, okay, that's why he doesn't respond to really abrupt. Like he doesn't respond to like intense coaching. Right. If I come up and tell him, put more weight on the bar, like, you know, quit being, you know, quit being a chicken and like, you're good enough for more. 
he's not going to respond to that coming up to him. It's like, Hey, you know, that, that rep looks really good. Like, you know, how do you feel about adding some more weight? Like, I think you can, you can do a little bit more is like, I, I want to see you try a little bit more. He'll respond to the second approach far more than he'll respond to me just straight up telling him because in his, in his daily life at school where he's undergone some bullying, you know, when people are telling you things all the time, instead of asking you to do something, um, you know, I found that, you know, right after we started making that change and, you know, me and some of the other coaches that I work with, um, especially the one that he works a lot with when we made that change. Um, and it wasn't even necessarily, we made like the conscious like change of like, Hey, we're always just going to ask this kid. It's just when we realized that, you know, intensity, um, adding on to somebody that's gone through some of those, those bullying times, instead of coming from a caring perspective, um, or at least like kind of a nurturing kind of approach, we found that that nurturing approach works a lot better. And sure enough, I mean, I've seen it, especially with that, that one individual where, you know, really honing in and making things more of a, a nurturing perspective. And I like to use it in asking questions with, with him is, you know, how did that feel? And it's like, Hey, I think it got a little bit more in the tank, you know, like, let's see if we can, we can get some of that versus being, Hey, that really just like, why are you holding back on me? The two different, just their phrasing of that language. Um, and I mean, it's the same scenario. It's the same kind of, you're trying to get the same effect, but if I didn't know from his mom that he was getting bullied at school, I probably would have still used that. Hey, like, don't hold back on me anymore. Like, give me all you got versus asking him to give me more. Um, and I think that's been a big one. Um, I've had it, especially conflict resolution is the one that I think it plays a huge role in, um, you know, because same thing, different scenario, you know, kids getting bullied at school and he starts acting up in my program and you know, mom didn't know he was getting bullied at school. I didn't know he was getting bullied at school at the time, but then having the conversation with, you know, his, his parents, both his mom and his dad, um, having those conversations made me realize there's nothing wrong at home that is causing him to act up. It's not like, there's no, there's nothing like mom and dad are like neglecting him there. I mean, it was merely a case of stuff's going on at school between the hours of uh, him seeing mom and dad and him seeing me stuff's happening in there um, that even the parents don't know about. Um, and we were actually able to, and I had a conversation with that kid with his parents and told him, it was like, Hey, like this isn't you. And I know you didn't get it from mom and dad. It's like, you can be honest with me. It's like, it's like, what's going on at school? And he opened up and he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, you know, somebody hit me on the bus or, you know, somebody shoved me into a locker and it wasn't the product of knowing the parents helped me make the decision like, okay, well, this situation here in our facility um, and some of the conflicts that he had created wasn't, wasn't an issue of the kid being a bad kid. It's that he's not knowing how to process and understand some of the stuff that's happening to him when he's not around his parents or he's not around me um, or some of his coaches. So I think knowing the parents has been huge in that benefit because you can get performance. Uh, you can get performance out of kids a little bit more, but you can also get uh, the right behavior that you want. So, I mean, that's been the huge, the huge benefit of implementing that whole approach of getting to know the parents implementing that has been huge on two different aspects, um, within our program. Wow. That's, that's awesome right there. I mean, once again, once, once again, it's, it's just taking that time. That's impressive. I mean, it's, we get so, we get so caught up on the, the little things that we've got to get done. You mentioned, uh, I've got these emails that I got to send. I've got these texts I got my phone blown up with text messages, but you don't ever get that one important conversation back 
with a kid that might be struggling, you know, you just got to dig deeper. You know, it, there's always a reason behind a behavior. And it sounds like, you know, what you and Coach Conley do, what you do with your strength conditioning program, like y'all dive into the whole kid. I mean, it's not just, all right, here's the product. I'm going to get you stronger. I'm going to get you stronger and faster. Well, I'm also going to help you grow yeah. as an individual too. So I think that's, I think that's great. You know, I, <clears throat> I am curious, you've given a lot of great stories so far. What has been your best memory as a coach so far? Oh, man. Um, you know, and this is, I'm young. Um, I'll admit that I haven't, I haven't been in, um, I haven't been in necessarily any specific realm long enough to really have like some kind of crazy success story. Um, you know, I think that's, that's been one of the things where I think, I don't think there's one specific moment. Um, and then you and I talked about it on the phone the other day is like, I mean, I'm, I'm living in my parents' basement. Like I'm filming this from my mom's basement right now. Like we're having this conversation. Um, you know, I, strength coaching, especially in the, the private sector, um, isn't always lucrative. Um, you know, I, I quit a, a job personal training to, and cut my paycheck in half to work with kids. And I think I don't have a big moment, but I have every day I get a little moment. And I think that's something where, you know, it, I don't hit snooze in my alarm ever my alarm goes off at 5 a.m. and I may be exhausted, but there's never even a temptation to hit snooze because I love what I do. Um, and I think that's, that's probably the big one. It's like, I don't, I don't have massive moments. Like there's one moment in my, you know, in my coaching where I was like, really just, that was it. Like, no, like being able to get up every morning and not being tempted to hit snooze on my alarm um, not, not having to be able to sit there at the end of the day and be exhausted and have stuff that I need to take care of and still be totally fine with going to bed that night and waking up the next morning and not hitting snooze. Mm -hmm. I think that's my, like, that's my moment, I guess. Um, because for me, being able to have those little moments every day is rewarding and it's huge. And so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a big one. It's just those tiny little ones. Right, well, I, I love that answer. That's a great perspective to have. And um, it's all, it's everything that you do. It's, it's those little moments are what's going to drive you and it's what's going to help you to be a great coach. And uh, Nathaniel, thanks again. I really appreciate the time that you've, you've spent with me on here um and absolutely hope, thanks for having me on i mean it's yeah. the first one i get to do with these i'm really excited oh yeah and and you know what i'll let you know when i'm gonna drop the episode uh and i'll keep you in the loop for keep you in the loop for that but you've given a lot of great information and uh you know i really noticed the, the thought that you were giving into to your answers and i really appreciate you doing that and i hope that we can continue to stay in touch uh we can continue to keep some dialogue going and and learn from each other. So if there's anything else that you'd like to say before we sign off here? No, I mean, I just really appreciative. Um, if there's any coaches um, that want to get a hold of me, I'm all over. I mean, you found me on social media. Um, so anywhere you go, um, if you type in lit underscore strength, you can get a hold of me. Um, my inbox is always open. Um, I love to talk to people, love to be able to connect. Um, you know, like, like I said, there's a relational deal. Um, so, you know, I, if anybody wants to connect to me, I'd definitely love to be able to, to reach out and talk to other coaches as well. All right. Awesome. Thank you, coach. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. This was a great one. And I want to thank Nathaniel again for spending the time uh, to shed some light on his experiences as a strength and conditioning coach and the types of things that he applies every single day and then sharing it for us to apply to our coaching uh, professions every single day as well. 
I really enjoyed the depth that he went into, and you could really tell the amount of thought that he was giving into his answers. He was very precise, and you could tell that he's detailed in developing relationships with kids. He's really intentional about noticing their body language and understanding that they do have uh, stressful moments in their life that they go through, and that us as coaches, we can be an outlet for them to talk to us about things that are going on in school, things that are going on at home. And I really enjoyed his talk about the home visits that he does with Coach Conley with the wrestling program. I think that's just another deep way that we can connect with our players and develop trust because we know that trust is one of the hardest things that you can develop. It's one of the easiest things that you can lose with people. So I really appreciate Nathaniel giving us this information and I hope those of you that are listening can go and apply it and can make this contribute to the programs that you coach in. Thank you again for listening to The Coach's Journey. If you're looking to follow us on Twitter, you can find us by searching at The Coach's Journey, or you can go on Instagram and follow the underscore Coach's Journey as well. I would love to hear some feedback on the show. After you listen, send out a tweet, or you can send a direct message as well on thoughts of what you liked, what you didn't like, or if there's any topics that sparked your interest that you want to hear more of, and maybe we can bring that into another episode. I really enjoy getting to bring this to you guys every single weekend, and I really hope that it is beneficial for you. So please keep on supporting, keep doing what you're doing as coaches and impacting the lives of the kids that we're with every single day. Thank you, and have a great day.